Today I'm talking with Mary Grant. She's a reader of Dr. Karazian's who turned her life around dramatically from the information in the book. Mara, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I saw your post on Facebook. It was really dramatic, some pretty dramatic photos. And I was wondering if you could start with uh, where you were before you found Dr. Karazian's book and what sort of journey you were on then. Sure. I got married in very early 2002, and I started taking birth control pills in 2001. And um, when I started taking the pills, I just started gaining a lot of weight very quickly and um, bloating all over, uh, horrible mood swings, uh, daily headaches, <laughs> pain. Um, I was just tired and losing weight and cold all the time. And uh, I went to the doctor and I said, I think there's something wrong with my thyroid um, because I have a family history of females in my family having thyroid condition. Mm-hmm. And the doctor said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. So I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and I went home and I thought, well, I'm gaining all this weight. There's got to be something wrong with what I'm doing. So I really threw myself into diet and exercise. And despite eating very well, um, following traditional diet methods and exercising a ton, um, I think I put on about 80 pounds in four or five months. Wow. How demoralizing yeah. that must have been. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and when when that happens to you right after you get married, um, people assume things like you're pregnant. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> and that led to some really awkward conversations. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just not good for the old ego. So you hadn't had a weight problem growing up that was that was new for your life? Yeah, not at all. I was very athletic growing up. I played three sports in high school. Um, I was actually probably a little on the skinny side for most of that time. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a brand new problem. And um, the doctor didn't seem to take it very seriously. Wow. Because your lab tests were normal, your TSH. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, I talked to an aunt who's a nurse and she said, well, make sure they test your T3 and T4 as well. So I went back into the same doctor and I said, hey, could you run the full panel this time? And they ran it again and it was normal. And uh, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever tested my antibodies. Right, right. And so in addition to the weight gain, you had other thyroid symptoms? Oh, goodness, yes. Um, I counted them up <laughs> at one point, mm-hmm. and I had about 43. Wow. Um, so some of the big ones for me were uh, that I had tonsillitis all the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of tonsillitis and ear infections, just sick constantly. Mm-hmm. I remember one year I had tonsillitis 11 times in 12 months. Wow. And uh, daily headaches. It, it was always kind of in the back of my neck, um, headaches all the time. And it's just something that I ended up living with because <laughs> I still had to go about my business and finish school and go to work and do all those things and just kind of learn to deal with it. And um, how was your brain function during all that? Oh, uh, I would forget a lot of things. <laughs> there's there's like entire sections of my early 20s that I, I can't even remember them now. Huh. My husband will remind me of things that happened and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that. But of my own volition, I can't remember things that happened then. Right. And um, yeah, my, my brain was definitely suffering. And I, I think I realized through reading Dr. Karazian that a lot of my fatigue was genuine physical fatigue. But then I also had a lot of mental fatigue and my brain was not functioning very well. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, what were some of the other symptoms? Did you have hair loss and cold? Yes. Yeah. yeah, quite a bit of hair loss. I think I've probably lost about a third of my hair, if not half. Wow. And um, through through you know medication and bringing my antibodies down and um, just nutrition and all that, I've gained some of it back, but I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, I still struggle with thin hair and um, anemia. <laughs> Oh, really? Really, really low iron. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So how long did you go on like this and how many doctors did you see? I think I saw eight different doctors and uh, it was at least 11 years before I got a diagnosis. Wow. I actually diagnosed myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I uh, I went online and I Googled what do I still have thyroid symptoms if my lab tests are for normal? Hmm. And Dr. Karazian's book is so brilliantly titled because that's exactly the phrase that I think everyone is going to Google when they're in a situation like mine. They know that they they have the symptoms of, of hypothyroidism, but the lab tests aren't coming back with, <laughs> with that showing up. And so I, I found Dr. Karazian's book. I ordered it. It came just a couple days later, thanks to Amazon, and I read it cover to cover. I remember going out in the backyard and getting a lawn chair and taking my dogs out with me and just sitting in the shade and reading and reading and reading. And I I marked up my book like crazy. I had a highlighter. I had a pen. I was taking notes on a notepad. And it was like reading my own story Hmm. written by someone I'd never met. Wow. Yeah, he came up with that title from his patients because he had heard it so many times himself. (laughs) It's it's honestly just such a great title. I love it. (laughs) Um, So you had been suffering for about 11 years with symptoms when you finally came upon the book. Um, So what what happened after you read the book? Like, what was the first thing you did? I went gluten free immediately. Hmm. Uh, I I just stopped and I think I was gluten free for about six months. And then I went on a trip to Las Vegas to visit my sister and I thought, do I really feel that different? <laughs> so uh-huh. I ate a little gluten while I was there and boy, did I feel different. Oh, really? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I don't think I realized at first how much of an effect it was having on me, mm-hmm. uh, but I was able to drop weight quickly how for much? the first time in my life, about 50 pounds. Wow. <clears throat> and no dieting. That was just simply removing gluten. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Another change that I made based on the, the adrenal chapter in the book was that I um, I stopped doing so much cardio. Oh. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was on an elliptical machine for about an hour every morning um, because that's what I thought I had to do to lose weight. And so I switched over to, uh, to weight, um, to lifting weights. Uh-huh. <laughs> Instead, so I was doing weight training instead of cardio, and I I really think that that made a huge difference for my adrenals huh. um, that were previously so taxed by the way I was exercising. Right. And and did you approach your weightlifting also with a more kind of moderate approach and not overdoing it? Yes, I did. I did. Um, that's another thing. I <laughs> Amazon and I are best friends. So I went on Amazon and I found a weightlifting book. (laughs) So yeah, that was quickly after the Karazian book. I Uh I read a book on how to lift weight for women. (laughs) Oh, what book? What's the title of it? Um, Oh my goodness. I can't remember right now. I can see the the picture in my mind. (laughs) That's funny. 
That's great. So um, you started doing those two things right away when you went gluten-free. Yes. Yeah. And um, in addition to the weight loss, like what symptoms started to resolve right away? The the biggest one that I noticed immediately was that my brain fog lifted. Oh, um, interesting. I could think more clearly. I could remember things. I could just stay mm. on top of my day-to-day da- tasks without <laughs> losing track of what I was doing or setting things down and losing them. And um, I think probably the next thing I noticed was a lift in my mood. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, my my moods were much more stable. Um, I'm naturally a very easygoing, calm person. Mm-hmm. And, and Hashimoto's made me a crazy lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think that my husband probably benefited from that more than anybody. Right. <laughs> to, have, to have me not fly off the handle about little things that didn't matter anymore. Mm. Um, and I, I felt much more in control. As someone who, who does typically have very stable moods, it was not fun to suddenly feel really out of control. And the mood swings were probably the symptom that I hated the most because mm-hmm. I didn't feel like myself. Right. So it sounds like you had a lot of brain-based symptoms. As, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. And so you were gluten-free. And how did your uh, your family or your husband or your friends respond to the fact that you were on a gluten-free diet? Was that really weird or was everybody pretty accepting? Uh, my husband was very supportive. Um, he, he was like, yeah, if you need a two, no, new, new, uh, <laughs> he said, if you need a new toaster oven, let's go get one. And, Aww. uh, he didn't eat any gluten at home. Aww. Um, he would eat gluten if he went out with his friends. Um, but now, you know, about six years later, mm-hmm. uh, he is also avoiding gluten most of the time as well, because he's noticed a difference in his own health. Um, when he does eat gluten and when he doesn't. So this is a common story with spouses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it spreads. Yeah. Um, so it, and family functions were a little difficult at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was, let me see, I was diagnosed in 2014 officially. Mm-hmm. In 2016, two of my sisters and my mom were also diagnosed. Oh, with Hashimoto's. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now family functions are very easy because half the family is gluten free at this point. Oh. Um, so we we definitely plan Christmas and Thanksgiving around um, a more strict diet. Mm-hmm. And everyone has been really, really helpful. And um, for, as far as socially goes, I've found restaurants in my area that I can trust and I know that they'll take care of me. And I I frequent them often and I try to tip really well and thank them for how they serve me because they just do a great job. And um, if I'm invited to a friend's to eat, I am quick to offer to bring food Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like the burden shouldn't necessarily be on the person who doesn't have as much knowledge about a gluten-free diet. So Mm -hmm. I'm always happy to contribute food, um, you know, potluck style and bring food along. Right. And so were you the one that turned your mother and your sister on to getting um, a proper diagnosis for Hashimoto's and getting them on the diet? I was um, kind of unintentionally. Uh, the first sister that got diagnosed, um, she'd been exhibiting a lot of symptoms of PCOS. Mm-hmm. And I think that my doctor <laughs> is really one of the only competent doctors in our area 
knows a lot about the thyroid and hormones. Mm -hmm. And she kind of specializes in those two things, um, sex hormones and thyroid. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just recommended that that particular sister go visit my doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was diagnosed, she was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and it was a big surprise because her symptoms were not exactly like mine. Mm -hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Her, her Hashimoto's exhibited in very different ways than mine did. So um, then, you know, my other sister lives in the area as well. And she made an appointment with the same doctor and then my mom soon followed. So, so they weren't as severe as you, but they still were having symptoms and it was your story Uh, that got them on the right track. Probably not as severe with weight gain and brain fog. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely exhibiting a lot of thyroid symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it kind of was the family cascade. Right. Well, they're <laughs> lucky. Down. Yeah, they're lucky that you you figured it out. Yeah, I, I'm i really fortunate to have figured it out. And I, I'm very, <laughs> I, I have friends that joke that I'm trying to pass out Hashimoto's to everybody <laughs> because... <laughs> Because whenever I meet a woman who's exhibiting symptoms, I just want to share what I know because I went so long without knowing what was wrong with me Yeah. Uh, that I just want to share that there's hope. You don't have to feel like this. You can feel better um, and your life can improve mm-hmm. and you're not doomed to being, you know, tired and cold and miserable all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm a little bit of a cheerleader for you know, specific doctors in my area and reading Dr. Karazian's book. And, mm-hmm. and I all always pass along um, the Hashimoto's 411 Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I found a lot of community and camaraderie. And it's a great sounding board um, for reading research and methods that, that can help. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, all those people on there, it's over 50,000 now. Like it's they're great about new research, new literature, just anything new popping up. You know, it's sure to be on that board. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, def- definitely they they emphasize Dr. Karazian's book, um, eating a gluten free diet and following AIP if possible. Mm-hmm. So AIP, the autoimmune protocol diet, how long were you gluten free before you got onto AIP? And if you read the book, you must have known about it because he um, talks about it in there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a daunting diet. I totally get it. Um, yes. where, uh, what kind of was the tipping point that made you take that extra step and go fully autoimmune paleo? Sure. Uh, I was gluten-free for six years before I started AIP. And being gluten-free gave me a ton of benefits. I felt much better. I saw a big decrease in my symptoms, but I still had a lot of symptoms. Mm. And uh, in March of 2015 is when I started AIP. I made a New Year's resolution January 1st of 2015 that in the year 2015, I was going to reclaim my health. Mm-hmm. So I I really dug into the 411 page and I kept seeing success stories of people who'd been on AIP. Mm-hmm. And I had lost a significant amount of weight by going gluten-free, but I still was carrying quite a bit of inflammation. Mm. So um, <laughs> I, I was reluctant to do it just because giving up dairy and grains just seemed like an impossible task. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, how can I do that? What will I eat? Where will I go? Right. And I was really concerned about what it would do to my social life. And 
yeah, it's just scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Nona Perry specifically uh, was very consistent about posting her success story in the 411. Mm-hmm. And she looked like a different person. Wow. <laughs> and I, I just thought, if she can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I dug in. Um, and that's, uh, I, w- I was first medicated in 2015 as well. Oh. Um, so I started thyroid hormones. I went on AIP and I also started low-dose naltrexone. Oh. So um, March 2015 to September 2015, I went into remission in only six months. Wow. It was crazy. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. When the doctor told me I didn't have any antibodies. Wow. I just I stared at her silently and I was like, does that mean I'm in remission? She's like, yeah. <laughs> um, what were your antibody counts like? It was close to a thousand when I was first diagnosed. Wow. Yeah. yeah really, really pretty high. Mm-hmm. And that um, was with being gluten free and kind of doing all the other stuff. And yes, yeah, yes, that was with already being gluten free. And uh, it was, it was such an amazing change within only six months to like, inflammation just fell off me. Like wow. my face changed shape within the first week of oh. doing AIP. Like all the, all the puffiness that I've been carrying around. I, I thought I was eating a pretty healthy diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things I would treat myself with was dark chocolate because I thought I'm getting antibody or um, what's the word? Oh, antioxidants. Antioxidants. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting antioxidants. This is good for me. I only eat it every once in a while. And I wasn't thinking about the soy. Oh. <laughs> and I discovered that soy was a huge trigger for me. Hmm. And it makes my face puff up immediately if I accidentally eat a little soy. Wow. And uh, just dropping soy alone did a lot for me, I believe. Huh. Um, but just in the early stages, I did a lot of bone broth. And I was trying to get as much probiotics as possible and really work to heal my gut. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd had a thyroid ultrasound, I want to say in late 2014, mm-hmm. um, at, pretty soon after I was officially diagnosed. And in September of 2015, I went back for a second thyroid, or yeah, for a second thyroid ultrasound. And I had the same technician. Mm-hmm. And it was a year later and she remembered me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when she was doing the second ultrasound, she was like, oh, Wow. And she kind of, I could see her clicking around on the computer. And <laughs> like I, think like I must have the wrong back, file. <laughs> yeah. Went back to the previous ultrasound and she said, your first ultrasound lit up like a Christmas tree. Huh. Like, yeah, I know. And she's like, this one looks great. And so she kind of showed me the difference in the images. And my second ultrasound didn't have any nodules on my thyroid at all. Wow. After the first one, quote unquote, lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and that was how many months on the AIP I, diet? Uh, it was six months on AIP and it was a year after my previous ultrasound. Okay. So it had been a year and then six months on the AIP diet. Okay. So, so yeah. most of that change probably took place in those six months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And so what other symptoms resolved? Well, you said the inflammation and you dropped more weight when you went a- AIP? Yeah. So, uh, I think the post that you saw on Facebook was maybe when I was celebrating that I'd lost a hundred pounds. Wow. Um, so I had, I think early on, I gained 80 pounds really quickly. It was just mm-hmm. in a couple months. And then I lost 50 pounds when I went gluten free. 
and started doing more weight training. And then I lost about 40, 50 more pounds um, toward the early stages of AIP. Mm-hmm. Um, this summer, I've gained 10 pounds. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but I, I attribute a lot of that to stress. As soon as I start to feel um, emotional stress, I can I can tell that my adrenals are are suffering and the weight just creeps back on. Oh, I'll be darned. So you just have like yeah. life changes or new things happening in your life. Yeah. Yeah. My mother's been ill this year and mm. um, we helped her move out of state. Mm-hmm. And just those those transitions really were difficult on me emotionally, mm-hmm. as, <laughs> as you would expect. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just, you know, could feel it creeping back on, but I'm working on it and um, working on getting my my thyroid labs uh, to be more optimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, my TSH and my T3 are in the optimal range, but my T4 is not. So mm-hmm. that's my current goal is to get that one up in, in the optimal range. Now, um, so you started with a, a new medical doctor when you got on to the gluten-free diet and the AIP. Yes. And um, is your doctor accustomed to working with people following these types of diets? And what has the response there been? Uh, she's known in the in the local hospital as the gluten Nazi. Oh, <laughs> that's the one you want on your side. <laughs> yes, exactly. She is my ally. She's my friend. She has been amazing. I believe she actually has some thyroid dysfunction herself. I don't mm-hmm. know all the specifics, but she is gluten-free and corn-free and dairy-free herself. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what all she eats, but she is very supportive. And um, if I hadn't already been on a gluten-free diet, she definitely would have pressured me to, to be on a gluten-free diet. That's great because a lot of people, um, not only are they told nothing is wrong with them, you know, sometimes they're belittled a little bit or maybe yeah. condescended to and then... If we've heard so many story, stories of readers saying, well, I told my doctor about gluten-free and they get ridiculed for that. And um, it's a real barrier to getting better out there, it sounds like. Absolutely. I, I hear that a lot from friends. And I also hear a lot of women say, my doctor, I went to my doctor and I explained what's happening and they just told me that it's because I'm overweight. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, I, I feel very fortunate to have found the doctor that I do have. Mm-hmm. And she joked recently that if she had a nickel for every time that someone told her that I recommended her to them, Ooh. she'd be a very wealthy woman. And I offered for her to give me a nickel every time she heard that. So we're, we're working on that arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the AIP, I mean, it is a drastic diet. What was it like emotionally going into that? What was it like logistically? Did did you get hungry? You know, how were your energy levels? I think for a lot of people like yourself, when you read the book, I thought, you know, there's no way I'm doing that diet. Can you can you kind of walk us through adapting that diet and what it was like on all those different yeah. levels? Yeah, it was something that I had to mentally prepare for for a while. I think I took about two months to kind of clear out my cabinets and make a plan mm-hmm. and do a little research. Uh, one of the books I bought was The Healing Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Which one? Who's the author of that one? That's Sarah Ballantyne, Sarah Ballantyne and yeah. she has a co-author. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Uh, and their their recipes are delicious. <laughs> I heard that. Somebody it's else said that. Yeah. Food. And I often take it to parties and potlucks and share it with people that are on a regular standard American diet and they don't know the difference. Hmm. So that's that's a plus um, to kind of 
when you're trying to talk other people into doing this kind of diet, Mm -hmm. to feed them food that they really enjoy is great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started by doing quite a bit of bone broth. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd read a little bit about the GAPS diet. And while I I knew that wasn't for me, Mm -hmm. um, it's a little too extreme to just eat soup. (laughs) I, I did really understand that there are a lot of benefits to the bone broth and just the collagen and the healing effect on your gut. So I, I worked really hard at making a lot of bone broth. I made my own kombucha, um, which only resulted in two explosions in my kitchen. So I felt like that was successful. <laughs> I, um, I really focused on trying to get a serving of meat and a couple servings of vegetables at every meal. Mm-hmm. So I, I go for about 25% meat and then 75% vegetables. And I did a lot of frozen vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally like to keep it simple. At the time I was working full time outside the home. Now I work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I found it was really simple to come home at the end of the day, throw some steaks on, on, um, on the stove. And then, um, I would take frozen veggies, put them on a cookie sheet, throw a little avocado oil, garlic and salt and let them broil in the oven until they were a little, just a little tiny bit browned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, that would be a meal. Uh, so between making soups and then just having a lot of meat with a ton of veggies, um, that, that was kind of my routine at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I became a little more adventurous and left the home more often mm-hmm. <laughs> and as I went on and kind of figured out uh, what worked for my, my, my schedule and my family. Um, it's just me and my husband and he has been super supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I posted a picture of the two of us together as a before and after of me mm-hmm. on the Hashimoto's 411 page. And it's kind of funny how many people commented, did you marry a different person? Like, are you with a new guy now? <laughs> I personally don't think he looks that different. But That's as funny. a result of living with me and dealing with my health problems, he, someone who doesn't have any health problems that we know of, has also really benefited from, you know, healthier skin and hair and losing weight. And uh, it's kind of amazing all the things that have changed for me. Um, probably within a couple months of starting AIP, people would come up to me in public and say, what are you doing? You look so different. Huh. And I, I know I'd lost a little bit of weight, but uh, the main thing I kept hearing was like, your skin looks so good and you look mm. so healthy and your eyes even look brighter. And, it kind of, I, I'm not very good at taking a compliment. So right. I, I always kind of stood there awkwardly while well, I'm doing this medical thing. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of cool to see that other people were noticing that my health was changing. Mm-hmm. And with people taking notice of that, they started asking questions. And I was able to help a lot of people get to the, to the root of what was going on with their health. Not always Hashimoto's, but just, um, saying, well, you know, you, you do have some symptoms of gluten intolerance. Have you considered changing your diet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just am such a big cheerleader for AIP. I'm sure people are sick of hearing it from me, mm-hmm. but it has mm-hmm. given me my life back. You know, I have energy. I'm not cold all the time. I, I'm not an ideal weight yet, but I'm so much closer than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, my skin is better. My teeth are healthier. Um, my hair, my nails. Hmm. Um, my digestion, uh, health is, I mean, I was, I was getting colds 
and tonsillitis all the time before. And now I don't have to worry about, you know, am I going to be, you know, sick when I'm on vacation or I'm a wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. So one of the worries that I always have is shooting a wedding sick, (laughs) needing to push through a Saturday on my feet, maybe 10 or 12 hours, um, not feeling well Mm -hmm. is really difficult. So um, just knowing that I have control of my health and that I'm not going to have to, you know, take a day off here and there because I can't physically handle it is, mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, so can you walk us through uh, a typical day uh, on the AIP diet? Um, you know, like what are you doing for meals? What are you doing when you're out and about? Uh, what are you doing for snacks? That kind of thing. Sure. Uh So my favorite, my go-to breakfast is a couple strips of bacon. Mm -hmm. And then I really love to, uh, to shred up some cabbage and throw it in the bacon fat Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. garlic and salt always. (laughs) Um, and just let it, you know, fry up in the bacon fat. So good. So I do, I do that quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I try to add, you know, some other healthy vegetables to that. So maybe sometimes a sweet potato or some carrots or, um, maybe even Brussels sprouts with my breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, another breakfast that I like to do is just leftovers from dinner mm-hmm. uh, because breakfast doesn't necessarily need to be a meal that's different from yeah, lunch or exactly. dinner. Like, mm-hmm. I had to mentally get out of that trap. <laughs> like breakfast, I need to eat breakfast foods. Like, no, you can, you can just eat food. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, for lunch, I often will do a salad with a chicken breast on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's been an adjustment to eat smaller servings of meat than I was used to. Mm-hmm. So when I do make a salad, it's always tempting for me to have it be more meat than salad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I work really hard at making sure there's lots of vegetables in there. Mm-hmm. And I make my own dressings. Um, I know that a lot of people really freak out about not being able to buy store-bought dressing anymore, but now it's kind of a fun adventure for me to... I always start with oil and vinegar and then go from there. Um, often lemon juice or um, cinnamon or, you know, just mm. playing around with that. Just whatever's in the cupboard, I'll mm-hmm. add it to my dressing. <laughs> um, and then dinner is often, uh, I just like a hot dinner and a, something that's um, warm and a big meal <laughs> at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's when I, I love Brussels sprouts. I eat them oh. all the time. I didn't know I loved them until I started AIP. I always call um, them the meat of the vegetable world. You, Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but they do have kind of like the, the density. Of right. The meat. Yeah, they're like little meatballs. Yeah. Um, I A lot of zucchini, cauliflower, broccoli. Um, I've been trying turnips lately. Hmm. I... I I delved into parsnips for a while, but they just tasted a little too much like dirt for me. <laughs> um, so, so I might come back to that at a later date. Um, I've been trying to do a little more organ meat because I am anemic and I'm, I'm really working on getting um, my, my iron back within range. So mm-hmm. I've been trying liver and I just haven't found a way that I like it yet, but I'm not giving up. <laughs> liver capsules. <laughs> right. I, I, I want to be persistent on that one because I know it's good. But right. It's for me, but it's an I taste. a way to make it taste good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of acquired taste, um, I, I'm always trying to tell people, and they don't seem to believe me, that my tastes have really changed 
since mm-hmm. I've changed my diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't crave as much of the sugary, carby stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And I really do enjoy vegetables. <laughs> was that a I problem? Always, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say I grew up eating vegetables. Oh. Um, and my parents gardened and, and oh. were really big into vegetables. But it, it was always kind of a side. It wasn't, you know, the main part of the meal. So just readjusting portions and ratios has been a, a big learning curve for me. Right. And when you were first starting, was did you have a lot of cravings for sugars and carbs? And how did you get through that? Was it just wanting to be well that was kind of overpowered all of that? Definitely wanting to be well. That's a huge motivator. And I, I, I really, I, I set a goal and I was going to get to it. I wanted to be in remission. Mm. So I, I really focused on the health aspect of things instead of weight. And that did a lot for me as far as sticking with it. Mm -hmm. I think every diet that I'd ever done prior, I was just focused on losing weight. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd done all kinds of crazy diets and exercise plans. Um, for a while, I was doing, you know, Atkins. I, I did a vegan diet. I did very extreme calorie counting for a while. Mm. And none of those things were helping. And so when you're not seeing any results and you're hungry and you have a craving, it's a lot easier to go back to those temptation foods, exactly. the comfort foods. Mm-hmm. But when you're really focused on your health, I think that's an easier motivator in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing results and the results were a huge motivator to stick with it mm. and to not give up because, because I felt better and I didn't want to go back to how I, how I used to feel. I think the power of lab testing is pretty significant. Um, yes. it's, it's not just to show you kind of where you are health wise. I find something about those numbers on a page, especially if they reflect progress, to be so profoundly motivating. I feel like everyone should be getting tested kind of just for that, if nothing else, to give you feedback to what's going on in in your body and really sort of micro levels that maybe you're not even aware of symptom-wise all the time. It's, it can be very encouraging. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I <laughs> I have only been consistently testing in the last two years. Um, the first couple years after I knew I had Hashimoto's, I wasn't very serious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've been, you know, since 2005 or 2015, really focused on trying to be healthy and, um, in sync with a doctor that, that agrees with the way, <laughs> the way I think things should be done and the way Dr. Karazian thinks things should be done. And, um, it's just really helpful to every eight weeks be seeing where I am. And I can compare the numbers from the labs with how I'm feeling. And, and that's really significant to me mm-hmm. um, to know how to be more in tune with my body mm-hmm. and how to recognize symptoms um, that something might be going off the rails. I think I can catch things much sooner now, the more educated I am about my own condition. Yeah, it just helps keep, keep you aware and kind of yeah tuned in and kind of awake to the situation. It's so easy to sort of get so caught up in life and right and I, I I used to have a boss who said that you can't use statistics that you don't have. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. so I I'm I'm always 
really interested in having as much data as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, sometimes it's as much data as I can afford. (laughs) Right, right. It's kind of hard. you got to save up for testing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, just having that information, knowledge is powerful. Mm -hmm. And the more you know, the the more you you can take care of yourself. And so I always think it's better to get the information and fix things now when things are probably more preventable mm-hmm. than they would be down the line, it's going to be a lot more expensive to fix major medical problems later. If, if, if it's even possible. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Before the dam, that's kind of the, the foundation of functional medicine is to fix it before it's too late. Yeah. 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 So um, you put your story on the 411 group. Is that right? On that main page? Yes. Yeah, I've with- shared my story there a couple times and yeah, <laughs> I, I was just going to check again really quickly. I think they're up to, uh, you know, what I was going to say is it's it's a lot of people on that group. Now you've gone really public with your story. And um, oh, yeah, oh, they're almost at 65,000 members now. So that's a lot of people. It is to, a lot of people. To, yeah. <laughs> um, almost as many people as the population of the county where I live. <laughs> what, what state are you in? I'm in Indiana, northern oh, Indiana. Oh, OK, yeah. OK. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so what is, you know, a lot of people are going through this, but what is motivating you to put your story out there? I feel like if I can help just one person, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not super concerned about my own privacy because I know that there are so many women and men, but mostly women mm-hmm. <laughs> who are where I have been. I think more women are in that situation of of not being believed by doctors than men. Mm -hmm. I think when a man goes to the doctor, they're taken more seriously when they're complaining about pain and weight gain and and, um, being tired. Uh, I think that it's hard for women to go to a doctor and have them take those specific symptoms seriously. There's actually studies done on this that prove that very thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's an actual thing. Yeah. So I... I've tried to to be very vocal about my story. Um, whenever I share my story on my personal Facebook page, I will get at least 10 private messages of women who are saying, please help me. <laughs> Your story sounds like so much like what I'm going through. What should I do? Hmm. Um, so that's when I start to point them to resources like Dr. Karazian's books mm-hmm. and the Hashimoto's 411, and I'll help them to uh, find a doctor in their area if they don't live near me and just, uh, just try to get the ball rolling um, because that's exactly what I needed 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just am so excited about the idea that I could help someone find hope when they haven't had it. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, a common thing we hear, and especially, you know, Dr. Krausing has readers in countries all over the world um, who don't have any access to any sort of knowledge beyond what they find online. Um, and, and so he often hears that patients get overwhelmed, or readers get overwhelmed by how much information there is. What would you tell somebody who's just discovering this about themselves and their thyroid condition? Where would you tell them to start? Well, the first thing I think I would tell them is that Hashimoto's is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can really feel like you're drinking from a fire hose. (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to figure it all out. Um, 
I picked up my copy of Dr. Karazian's book today because we were going to do this interview and I just flipped through it and I learned something new today mm. that I'd read in the book before, but it didn't stick with me the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say take it slow. It's okay. <laughs> um, maybe only read the book a chapter at a time. Uh, I think that I read the first chapter two or three times before I even went on to the, the next couple chapters because mm brain fog. <laughs> right. I, I needed to absorb it a little more slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just getting a couple new concept a, concepts a day was what worked for me. Um, and I'm constantly learning. I'm online all the time. Um, I'm actually one of the volunteer moderators for the 411 now. Oh. Um, they saw I posted my success story and um, I was asked to join in, I think, April of 2016. Oh. And um, the women there, uh, the moderators are amazing. They, they are. are so knowledgeable and they spend so much time volunteering and researching. And I don't tell them this, but I feel like I'm the fraud of the group. They all know way more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, everybody um, starts somewhere. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, every little bit helps. Um, yeah, Dr. Krasian's website has so many resources and his videos are great. Mm-hmm. I just watched one of his brain fog videos the other day and thought, oh man, I really do have more brain symptoms than I realized. So I'm, I'm planning on bringing out his brain book and trying to wade through that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one's a tough one for sure, but it's so much great information. A lot of information. And it's not really meant to be read for you know front to back it's kind of more like right. what symptom do I have let me go to that chapter and yeah yeah it's not one for the hammock or the bathtub <laughs> it's not like a good novel yeah. right yeah it's, it's more of a reference um that you can look stuff up for yeah yeah uh, yeah, they do a great job with that group. They're very serious about it. They moderate it really well. It's a lot of people to keep in line. And um, it's been it's just been really lovely to see that group grow over the years. It's been a lot. I don't yeah. know when it started, but it's been a while now. I don't re- I don't remember when it started. I just know that Tara and Alice really wanted to to start something that was based on science. And Dr. Karavian was their was their resource. Yeah, which is awesome. and so much has grown in the years since. It's just amazing. Yeah, he's how been this- a huge catalyst. And I like I like that group because it's you know the internet can be the wild west. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it's really orderly and and helpful yes. and very encouraging. Yeah. Very encouraging. Yeah, they do a good job with moderation. Um, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you feel like it's important to get out there to somebody who's new to this whole thing, realizing about their health that that you want to pass on to them? Uh. I think I think the thing that I just find myself repeating to a lot of friends and family is that you're not crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> and you should really listen to your body and your symptoms. If you think there's something wrong, um, just don't take no for an answer and just keep looking for a doctor who will listen to you. Um, that's that's been so important in my own personal journey to healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I really for years just blamed myself thought that I was, I was fat. I was lazy. I wasn't eating well enough when really I was restricting too much. Oh, you were under <laughs> so eating. I was, I was under eating. I was over exercising and I was gaining weight. Wow. Um, so finding a way to heal by fueling my healing with, with excellent nutrition, with nutrient density. Mm-hmm. That's been so awesome. Like, 
you know what's great? Eating. Oh. <laughs> I love to eat. And, oh. and just to have the freedom to eat again has been amazing for me. Maybe it's not the same things I used to eat, mm-hmm. but I am so much happier eating what is quote unquote a restrictive diet mm-hmm. in quantities that are sati- satiating for me oh. that um, I've, I've really found a lot of joy from AIP. <laughs> that's amazing. That's really good to hear because I think, yeah, there is this sort of dread around it and like I'm going to, you know, like it's a, a, a death of sorts, um, but it sounds like it's a new beginning. Yeah, it, it really has been. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Someone at the door. <laughs> yes. There's some elementary school kids walking by heading home from school. Oh. <laughs> They're obviously dangerous. Right. <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem. Um, great. Well, I really appreciate your time today. This was a really inspiring story. Um, I feel really happy for you that you... Oh. Yeah, seriously, you could have gone the rest of your life just sort of slowly, as a lot of people do, just slowly getting worse and feeling hopeless. It's just so many hopeless, demoralized people out there. So stories like yours, I hope, can really um, let people know that there are options, there's things they can do, they can do it on their own, and at least start knowing what to ask for. So I really appreciate your time and your story. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share. I'm always happy to be a cheerleader for health and recovery. So yeah. I, I just appreciate the platform. <laughs>